Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode 37. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Marianne Edwards and her daughter, Anna Massey, who are the two co-founders of Boondockers Welcome. Boondockers Welcome is a website where RVers can find free boondocking spots all over the country. For several years, Anna traveled around the country with her partner, and they basically just found tons of boondocking spots all over the country. And if you're not a full-time RVer, you've probably heard me talk about boondocking several times. It's pretty much when you're out in the middle of nowhere on BLM land and you don't have hookups. So it's kind of the roughing it style of camping, but you can save lots of money. And she came up with this really cool service where people can list their driveways out and you can go find them and have a lot of access to boondocking spots around the country. It's 40 bucks for the year to join. She has been featured in the New York Times, built a large following also on her blog at Frugal RV Travel and written several guides before she started Boondockers Welcome on how to find epic boondocking spots. A few things we talk about on today's episode is what is boondocking and where you can find boondocking locations. What is Marianne's typical monthly living experience? expenses while she's out RVing around the country and predominantly boondocking. What Boondockers Welcome has to offer for RVers and ways to look for free camping and other boondocking opportunities while you're out traveling. Just a quick side note, today in Austin, we are hanging out with, that's where we are right now, we're hanging out with some friends, Case and Madison, who I interviewed earlier in the podcast season, several, several episodes ago, and they're out doing the 59 National Park Tour. And they have been out on the road, I think, for four or five months or maybe a little bit longer And they've never stayed in an actual RV park or campground. They will boondock 100% of the time, dry camp, stay in national parks, obviously, because that's the purpose of their tour. But they've literally never stayed in a campground. They're staying in their very first campground tonight with us because we hooked them up with a spot where we're staying at in San Marcos. And it's just crazy that you can go out and travel for that long that length of period of time and never stay in a campground. So it is fully possible if you're out trying to cut costs while you're out on the road uh, to boondock a lot. Today's episode is sponsored by Leisure Travel Vans. While Alyssa and I don't own a Leisure Travel Van, I've probably been one of their loudest vocal advocates over the past two years. When I'm having a conversation with someone about RVs, I inevitably bring up Leisure Travel Vans. Why? They're what I call the apple of RVs, copyright pending, in a sea of RVs that have big bulky brown cabinets everywhere on the interior. They are beautifully designed and have more of a sleek, stylish interior than most of your typical motorhomes or vans. In addition to being beautifully designed, all of the Leisure Travel Vans runs off a Mercedes-Benz 3500 Sprinter chassis with a 3-liter V6 diesel engine under the hood. I'm glad I got all of that out without messing that up, which means Leisure Travel Vans will climb mountains and give you 15 to 19 miles a gallon, which is literally double the gas mileage Alyssa and I are getting right now in our classy motorhome. Of all the features that originally attracted me to the Leisure Travel Van, it was actually the layout of their RVs that I first noticed. When Alyssa and I bought our first Class C RV uh, in 2014, I played with the idea of removing our queen bed in the back of the RV and having a sleep on the overhead or the, the loft bed above the cab. This way we could turn the back of the RV into additional living space or workspace because we only slept in there so it just wasn't used throughout the day. Leisure Travel Vans is one of the only RV companies that has actually done something about this by installing a Murphy bed to fold down in the living room area of the RV. This way throughout the day you can eat, work, 
and hang out, and then in the evening fold the bed down to go to sleep. This completely opens up the back of the RV for a significantly larger bathroom or additional living workspace, both of which are options in different layouts of the leisure travel vans. No, we are not getting a new motorhome. We just got a new one last year. We're still very happy with our Winnebago Brave. I'm honestly just a huge fan of leisure travel vans, the product they built, the team they have in place, and we're honored to give them a shout out and to have them sponsor this episode. Thank you, guys. All right, let's get into today's podcast with Anna and Marianne. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Marianne Edwards and her daughter, Anna Mast, who are the two co-founders of Boondockers Welcome. Boondockers Welcome is a website where RVers can find free boondocking sites all over the country. Marianne has been RVing and boondocking around the country for over a decade, uh, something around 12, 13 years. She can give me exact numbers here in a second. She's been featured in the New York Times, built a large following on her blog at The Frugal RVer, and has written several guides on how to find epic boondocking spots all over the country. Thanks for being on the show with me, guys. So for the few people who are listening to this show uh, who maybe aren't full-time RVers yet, or maybe they are, but they haven't really explored boondocking, Marianne, can you give kind of a background, a definition of what boondocking is for people who may not know about it, for like the couple people who are listening who don't know? Different people have described it a little bit different each time. Some people, the purists, think it is only out in the wild, in the boondocks. My definition is that it must be without services and free. And so it's camping without services and for free outside of a paid campground in an RV. In other words, pitch a tent and you're not boondocking. But there are campgrounds that are without services, but if you've paid, then it's also not boondocking. Gotcha. So you you can't pay, you can't have services like electricity or water or anything like that. So when when you first hit the road in 2000 with Randy... Uh, what was the draw for you guys to boondock it? Because I talked to a lot of people who hit the road and it's like everyone kind of seems like over time they find their travel style, if you will. You know, people staying at RV parks or campgrounds or maybe you prefer boondocking most of the time. So how was it that you fell into boondocking and what did you like about it as you guys were out traveling? Well, first of all, when we started off, our initial trip in an RV was for a whole year. We set out to just do something fun and exciting for a whole year, thinking it was going to be a once in a lifetime experience. So the initial trip was to be year long, and uh, we didn't know if we could make it a whole year long because we had no idea about really RVing. We had initially thought that we might have a tent, just take the car with a tent. Uh, we were still in our 40s, so we were, we were young enough, we thought, to be sleeping on the ground. But we ended up, after a bit of discussion and saying, okay, this is going to be for a whole year. Let's try. And we found a used RV. It was, I think, 15 years old, um, a road truck. And we said, well, we can now camp anywhere. We don't necessarily have to pay for camping. We had no idea what the word boondocking was because we weren't really RVers. So we had no idea where we'd sneak asleep. We did a lot of that at the onset, thinking, okay, where is it legal to park and does this feel safe? Is it somewhere we can get away with it? So the initial reason was really to spend as little money as we could on camping because we wanted this trip and our budget for it to last. So the the next part of your question, I guess, was how did we really incorporate boondocking into our 
our trip that first time? Well, we discovered actually the public lands in the United States. Since we're Canadian, that was all new to us as well. Discovered that in the National Forest and the uh, Bureau of, of Land Management lands, it was legal to boondock, to, to camp in places that were often much preferable to the campgrounds to us. Uh, beautiful scenery, often near nature, hiking that we wanted to do, sometimes just outside the national parks. So it had a lot of appeal to us besides just saving money. Yeah, so Anna, were you tagging along on any of these trips during this time? No, uh, this was probably, I guess this was while both my sister and I were in university, sort of the empty nester syndrome when uh, my mom put everything in storage for a year and told us we had to take our crap and find homes for it. And uh, off she and Randy disappeared for a year and we were we were left to fend for ourselves. It's probably lucky that Instagram and Facebook wasn't really a thing. I mean, it wasn't a thing in 2000. And so like you could, you weren't sitting there in school while uh, your mom was out traveling to all these really epic places and just kind of posting about them and rubbing it all in your face. <laughs> I had no idea. I was just struggling to to get my degree and to live off of meager student uh, savings. And she was off, I mean, living frugally as well, but in a much more uh, idyllic environment than my Toronto apartment. Yeah. So Marianne, you, uh, you wrote on the website that you were, Randy was a handyman and you were a waitress for for a very long time. And I think that's super interesting because a lot of people that that are looking at RVing from the outside in just have this predisposition that it costs a lot of money to go out and travel. And it's something we've dispelled on a lot of shows. So can you talk about how much you guys actually average spend from a month to month basis? Because I know you've tracked this meticulously on your website at the Frugal RVer. So what would you say is the lowest possible spend that you guys can go out and travel for for an extended period of time? In your road track. Okay, uh, just before we start, I've caught this twice now. You said the Frugal RVer. The website is actually, let's just get that straight, it's called frugalrvtravel.com. It's frugalrvtravel.com, my bad. No problem. <laughs> so um, on average, it's of course increased gradually over the years with the cost of living increase. When we started out in our first trip in 2000, the average while we were on the road, it was about $1,000 or just under per month. And now the last few trips, it's been closer to $1,500 per month. But that includes our food and repairs on the road. Being Canadian, we have a, a, a good health insurance plan. When we travel, we have to purchase extended health insurance to cover us when we're out of the province. So that inc that's included as well. Because those are incremental costs to being at home. It doesn't include the actual price of the RV or insurance on the RV or things that we'd be paying for anyway if we had the RV sitting in our driveway at home, but it costs anything. It does include everything that's sort of part of the trip. Yeah. I mean, does this was this kind of a game for you you guys at a certain point or in the beginning, was it just... We need. We want to be able to travel for as long as we can. And during, were you guys just going on how many trips at a time throughout the year, or were you full timing for? What was the longest period of time you guys were actually on the road for? For a year. That that first trip was a year long. So we did make it through a year. We thought it'd be a once in a lifetime experience until we realized that uh, we could do it fairly cheaply. We could, in fact, we said, you know, if you put everything in storage, you can do it cheaper than living here at home. 
However, you know, we we have a home base. We're not full-time on the road. The longest was a year, but we've had six-month, five-month trips, or about seven of the long trips. And generally not every year. It's been every second year. Although uh, now that we're past retirement age, we're, we're hoping to accelerate that a bit and, and, uh, and, and have at least a three- or four-month trip every year. Awesome. Uh, so let's let's shift gears and talk about Boondockers Welcome because this is a really cool service that you guys have. And basically, people can sign up, list out their homes, and then people can come and camp there for free if they're a member of Boondockers Welcome. Obviously, you were out exploring the country, staying in a lot of really cool places. So what was kind of the thought going into launching Boondockers Welcome? Well, the initial thought was because we kept returning to these places where we could find boondocking in um, public lands that we actually wanted to expand and go to other parts of Canada, the U.S., and it's not so easy to find boondocking everywhere uh, where there there aren't these opportunities with public lands. We had also been RVing long enough that we had met a lot of other RVers and talking to them, sometimes just briefly, we were quickly invited to stop by and visit them if ever we were in their area. So it sort of started to dawn on us that this seems to be something that our viewers are doing anyway, inviting each other. We had also invited people and had our viewers come and stay because we've got a spot on our property where they can easily stay in their RV when they visit us. So it, that and the idea of, I have a niece who was using couch surfing, uh, traveling around Europe at the time, uh, couch surfing. So putting the two ideas together and coming up with the idea of driveway surfing wasn't a big stretch. And I was actually surprised when I first thought of the idea that, that this did not already exist somewhere else online. There are various RV clubs that sort of have it a little list of members who are willing to extend overnight parking to fellow members. It's usually just something that's sort of a printed list or something, you know, included with their membership. But there wasn't one online service like this for all RVers. So having the idea and making it come to fruition, however, was another thing to create a website similar to the couch surfing website that had all those features that I thought would be perfect, profiles and members being able to message each other. It would have never happened without my daughter, I can tell you that. That's Anna's area of expertise. It, it just didn't look like something that you, it's not something you can just pick up or afford for me, afford to pay for, hoping that it would work. Yeah, because I mean, you don't have a background in technology. I saw on your blog that it, it was a big learning curve for you to figure out just how to start a blog, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, in fact, yeah, I could barely, I mean, I could surf the internet, but that was about it. <laughs> so it was definitely not up my alley. And um, and to hire somebody when you don't know if something is going to work for a custom-made website. And Anna can tell you how many hours she has spent she has the expertise. So even for her, how many hours it has taken, I think we would still be in debt quite a ways, wouldn't we, Anna? It's definitely not. It's more of a, a startup idea rather than a, you know, a, a solid moneymaker that you 
then find somebody to implement for you. You're kind of putting your life savings on the line if you uh, decide to do something like this, pay for it up front. So partnering with Marianne worked out really well for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and what I, what I love about Boondockers Welcome is some, I can honestly say some of the most meaningful experiences that we've had while we've been RVing has been when people reached out to us and they're like, hey, come and camp on our property because I see that you guys are coming through X city or this town and come and stay with us. And part, you know, and, and at first it was a little weird. I'm not going to lie for someone who had never done it before. You know, we're too young. 20 something year olds and we're traveling around the country, just us. And, you know, my first thought is I want to make sure that, and not too of a uh, paranoid way, but that I'm, you know, protecting and looking out for my wife. And we're not just going to stand on these random people's properties and some backwoods of town that no one's ever heard of. But some of those, all honestly, all of those experiences have turned out to be some of the most meaningful times on the road. So I'm sure that what Boondockers Welcome is helping to facilitate is an opportunity for people to go out and do have that on a large scale. Is that right? Absolutely. I think it is. Yeah. I, I, if I can just say, I mean, I'm not personally an RVer myself, although I've used things like uh, Airbnb extensively in my travels. And, and I think one of the things about the internet is it gives you lots of opportunities to connect with people online, but the opportunities where you get to connect with people in person are so much more meaningful, just like you said, Heath. And it's, I think, one of the the best ways that this technology sort of is enhancing our lives rather than than keeping us at arm's length from people. Yeah, I was talking with Curtis last week, who's the founder of Our Village, and I know you guys do some work with him too. And he was basically just talking about how RVing is, it's a social experience for most people. And it's an opportunity to go out, meet other people while you're traveling. So, and, and it can be kind of lonely when you're on the road. And, and you know this, Marianne, I'm sure that, you know, you guys being on the road for periods of time for several months and even up to a year at a time uh, over the past 12 years, it's like, it can get kind of lonely sometimes if you're not meeting other people and you just starve a little bit for community. And so this is a way that while you're out traveling, you can hook up with people and go places. So if somebody is not really into boondocking, because for the first year of traveling, we were moving so much and hadn't done a lot of research because we were doing our hourly America documentary that we didn't even really know what boondocking was. I'm almost a little embarrassed to admit that, but it's true. We just were like, we were just flying by the seat of our pants, finding parks. Uh, yeah. Amazing. We did actually stay in quite a few driveways, but we didn't even know really what the term boondocking was. And so if somebody's interested in traveling for a prolonged period of time and they want to be able to cut cost, uh, would you say that lodging, I would, I would probably say that lodging is the biggest expense that you have the most control over while you're traveling. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, that and the um, number of miles that you travel, of course, but the whole idea of traveling is to move, right? Yeah. So when you when you guys are spending $1,500 a month, how often are you moving around? We are constantly moving. Really? We're constantly, yeah. Well, perhaps as we get older, we will spend more time in one location, but it's it's rare for us to stay a week in one location. We like finding out what's around the next corner. That's sort of the idea for us most of the time. And you're still on the road track? Yes, we're still on the road track. That's one reason we're still on the road track. Cause a newer one, though. <laughs> yeah, so for anyone listening, the road track is a Class B motorhome. It's really cool. How many miles a gallon do you get in that thing? Uh, 16. 
That's really good. I mean, that's double yeah. what I get. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the past year we've used uh, Campindium a lot when we've been looking for boondocking sites and that has been a great resource. Uh, what what are your favorite websites to find other than Boondockers Welcome, of course, weekend stay in driveways. Uh, what are some of the best resources out there that you recommend for people as they're looking for boondocking locations while they're traveling around? Well, there's also overnightrvparking.com you know that one probably it's mostly directing you to walmarts or casinos or other parking like more public parking areas that uh, permit overnight it's a, a membership website as well if you're a member of skps they've got a great sort of subsidiary of SKPs. If you're an SKP member, you can subscribe to something that's called the Days End Directory. Uh, Guy Gibson does a, a great job, the SKP member that uh, runs that. I don't. I think uh, Marianne's a little uh, hesitant to promote her own stuff, but uh, her this isn't Boondockers Welcome, but her Frugal RV um, Shunpiker guides are also very valuable. I know to a lot of people on the road when they're looking for free camping uh, that's not in a parking lot or a casino if you're looking for things on BLM land especially in the the southwest where there's lots of that available she has fantastic information turn by turn directions and pictures and and great details gps coordinates on exactly where to find uh, the best spots on BLM land so that would be I'll push it for her. So yeah. She won't push it <laughs> and I'll I'll link up to that in the show notes. So if somebody I mean we we've started doing more boondocking and this year probably has been the year where we've done the most just finding national forest land out in uh, out near the Tetons and out near some national parks and things like that. And so but if somebody is new to this like what are some practical tips that you'd have for somebody who's just trying to get into boondocking and see if it's the kind of style of camping that they like? I mean, should they be calling um National Forest Land offices to, to kind of scope the land using these websites, combination of all the above. What would you recommend as far as just introductory? Here's some basic tips for you to get started boondocking if you haven't really done it a lot. Well, if you're looking for boondocking locations, definitely most of the time people want something that's, well, that they feel fairly safe. So you're going to you're gonna probably want to go, especially if you're just starting out, go to places that other people go. So you will see you're not the only RVer there. Now, we actually have gotten to the point where we love being alone out in the wild boondock somewhere. But it took a while to uh, to get there. And for most people, that would be the first place to try and boondock with other people or in an area that you'll see other RVs nearby. That'll make you feel more confident about safety, for instance. The way to find it really a, a good, just like you suggested, Heath, the National forests have visitor centers that you can stop at. We do, we still do that when we're traveling. We still stop at the National Forest Office or the Bureau of Land Management Office and Visitor Center, and we ask the staff, where would you suggest we go? Look at our RV. You can see what our clearance is. What roads can, can we get into? Another thing, another great tool is the satellite view on um, not Google Maps, but Google Earth. Use Google Earth and you can see sometimes areas that you, if once you've determined that they are on public land, then you can see where they're, they're scarred up. You know that they pretty well you get to recognize where people have camped before that way. 
Yeah, and I've I heard of people doing that as well. And it's funny because now we had some really cool experiences here boondocking and like you said, we did it with some friends, which I really liked. We were caravanning, and it made it so much better because you ha- you can go scope out the land with friends. Uh, you know, if anything happens, that you have people there with you. And it, it does give you that little boost of confidence there in the beginning as well. So that's pretty cool. So uh, shifting and talking about Boondockers, welcome again. Anna, I have a question for you. So how are you guys working on finding new people to list out their, their driveways on, on your service? Because that's something that in the RV industry, it's like we're breaking in with campground booking. We're talking with campgrounds and all that good stuff. And so we're trying to find users as well. So as somebody who's trying to reach, you know, add users to a platform, how are you guys going about that? So we just essentially at this point still rely on word of mouth and recommendations. And our hosts are also almost always users of the site themselves. So they're RVers themselves. We're not, you know, going out and, and knocking down, you know, doors of, of uh, like business owners. There are, you know, there are other services that do that. Things like Harvest Hosts, which list wineries that are wel- that welcome you to come stay on their property. And, and uh, the owners of Harvest Hosts are fantastic. And we have a reciprocal agreement with them, like $5 off on their membership with us and vice versa. So uh, I'm happy to plug their stuff. But um like I said, our hosts are all RVers themselves. So they essentially come across our service through hearing your podcast or uh, other other great bloggers who've uh, mentioned us. And um, the the way that membership works on our site is if you are able to host and not everybody is a full timer and not everybody has property. But if you do have property that you can host uh, another RVer on, we ask you to pay the first year just so that we know you're sort of serious about the the site. And then as you, if you are an active host, if you get uh, for every three recommendations you have from guests who stay at your, your property, then your next year is free. So it's all word of mouth at this point. We're, we're looking at trying to sort of push that out a little bit more, but any, any, uh, any help that we can get from people like yourself is always wonderful. That's awesome. And Marianne said that you guys have like over a thousand or somewhere around a thousand driveways listed out on the service. Is, is that right? That's right. And we have probably uh, another thousand or more members who can't host or either don't have property or or they, their property isn't uh, appropriate to host other people. But they're the ones who, like I said, pay us and, and pay the bills. That's awesome. So something that I, I make sure to ask in, in every one of these episodes is uh, what does success look like for you guys in this lifestyle as y'all are working on helping connect people with places to travel and helping them travel more frugally? Uh, what does success look like for you guys? For, for me personally, I, I think I reached success when I was able to quit my waitressing job. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that was sort of even before Boondockers Welcome was launched. I managed to do that with just the efforts of my frugal RV travel uh, guides. So that was already a great level of success for me. I think my next personal level of success would be to realize that I have more time to spend enjoying travel, enjoying my own personal life. And that comes with uh, Boondockers Welcome, still creating an income source over and above and letting us pay for our travels basically 
through Boondocker's Welcome and um, my guides. But at the same time, I think a real part of the level of success is having a great feeling about creating something that is helping others uh, be able to better afford their dreams. And that's why I think it's, I've never been a good salesman, but I can really feel good about the idea of both my travel guides and Boondockers Welcome because they just fulfilled a need that we personally found and it's doing it for other people. I love that. And that was something that you and I talked about on the phone a couple of weeks ago is just that you have been living out the same mission for really the past decade as you started traveling, you realized you loved it. You found a need, which was that a lot of people wanted to go out and travel, but they didn't realize that it could be pretty affordable. You know, like there's a lot of people in the digital nomad space who talk about travel hacking and it helps people go travel and see the world and experience different cultures. And in the same way, you've been doing that in the RV industry with your travel guides, your blog, and also now with Boondockers Welcome. So that's that's amazing. And uh, what about you, Anna? What does success look for me look like for me? Well, I used to have a corporate job where I sat in an office every day and I don't do that anymore. So I feel uh, pretty successful in that regard. This, uh, as much as I'm not traveling, the have, running my own business with my mother um, has, I mean, it's given us a really fantastic opportunity to explore our relationship in ways that are new and fulfilling, really very fulfilling for, for us. I mean, we were always close, uh, but even more so now. But I have had two kids. That was sort of the impetus for when we started creating Boondockers Welcome was I was on, uh, you get a 12-month maternity leave here in Canada. I was on a 12-month maternity leave after having my first son. And wow. I was looking for something to keep my uh, my technical side of my brain somewhat occupied so that I wasn't losing my mind completely. <laughs> and my mom came to me with this idea. And I said, yeah, I think I, think I could do that. And now I uh, quit my job. And that's what I do. This is Boondockers Welcome is, is my bread and butter. And it has allowed me to stay home with my kids. Uh, they're both in school full time now. But you know, I pick them up every day, I can go on field trips and work my schedule around them. So it's like the freedoms that people enjoy when they're working on the road, I get to enjoy the same freedoms from a from a work perspective. I love that. And I'll make sure to put links up to Boondockers Welcome and the travel guides up on the show notes for this episode. But is there a good social media or place for people to connect with you guys online website? Uh, what's the best place? The Our Village. We have a, um, a Boondockers Welcome uh, group on Our Village. We'd love to have more people join us there. Also, we have a Facebook page, Boondockers Welcome. I'll link up to both of those in the show notes. Thanks again, guys, for being on the podcast. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathandalyssa.com forward slash episode 37. Once again, thank you to Leisure Travel Vans for sponsoring this episode and thank you for listening to this podcast. I do not take it lightly that so many of you sit down for 45 minutes, sometimes an hour if we get a little talky, chatty, uh, to listen to this podcast because time is valuable and I appreciate it. And my goal for this podcast is to always be valuable and to serve you guys. So if there's anything you'd like to hear on this podcast that you haven't heard about, or there's subjects that you want me to hammer in more, shoot me an email, heath at campgroundbooking.com. I'd be more than happy 
to, you know, work some of these things in my podcast, especially if you want to hear them. And so, or if there's particular guests that you would like to see on my podcast that you follow on Instagram or whatever, uh, hit me up. And uh, thank you guys. And I'll see y'all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.